and I think that there's an important message here. It's not necessarily in the achieving of the goal that there is the growth. It's in the journey. It's yes. in who you become along the way. Hello, and thank you for joining our podcast, Hope to Recharge, a show that is designed to bring hope, inspiration, motivation, and some practical tips to those that are battling depression and anxiety, and to those that are supporting loved ones that are going through the journey in this difficult time of depression and anxiety. I'm here to tell you, you are not alone, and we will live beyond depression and anxiety. We will share our stories one story at a time in a world of mental health together is better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for tuning in. In this edition of the Hope to Recharge podcast, we welcome Natalie Bacon, a life and business coach and host of the five-star rated Design Your Dream Life podcast. From a lawyer to certified financial planner with massive student debt to now running her own successful online business, Natalie helps us to understand what it felt like to be stressed and overwhelmed in an unfulfilling career. As a walking example of what she teaches, Natalie applies her life coaching tools to her own life. She quit drinking, stopped eating meat and sugar, paid off her student loan debt, built an online business, became a life coach and met the love of her life by applying these tools. Most importantly, she feels better. Natalie has been on the So Money and the She Did It Her Way podcast, along with being featured on Forbes, The Huffington Post, CNBC, and more. And now the host of the Hope to Recharge podcast, Matana. Hello, and thank you for joining me here. Thank you, Natalie Bacon. Thank you so much for joining me. I, I'm like excited because we had a little chit chat before, before we started and we were telling each other how much we are aligned and there's so much that we resonate with each other and we speak the same language and we think the same way and we're passionate about life in the same way. And I'm so grateful for Natalie for choosing Hope to Recharge to come and share her work, share her podcast, which we're going to deep dive into. And I was telling Natalie, she's a certified life coach and she has online programs. We're going to discuss this and her podcast, which is so refreshing. I was complimenting her and saying that I enjoyed listening to her podcast because even though some of the topics can be hard to swallow and process. There's always positivity in her podcast. Always. It's always a high beat, fun energy. This is the tips we're going to do. This is what we're going to work towards. This is what we're going to look forward to. This is how we can do it. And there's something so refreshing about it. A lot of times in Hope to Recharge, it's heavy, it's dark, and there's a time and place for that. But your podcast is just so refreshing. And I enjoy listening to it because if I'm ever like in a down and I need a quick pick me up and it's only 30 minutes or something like that, you could just like, it's like an energy booster. Instead of me taking a, an energy drink, I just can listen to one of your episodes. So Natalie, thank you for joining me here today. Uh, you guys can't see me, but I am giddy <laughs> over here. Thank you so much for having me and for the flood of compliments. You are such a breath of fresh air and I am honored to be a guest today. Thank you. So I want to just give the audience a little bit of a background. You are actually a lawyer, right? Not a life coach. So I want you to give us that backstory because you don't share that very often. It's a secret that people know if they are a true follower of Natalie. So give me a little bit of your backstory. Yeah, I'm so present and future focused that I don't talk a ton about my past. And it's not intentionally to hide anything. It just doesn't come up that much for me personally. Yes, I am a lawyer. I graduated law school in 2011 and had a ton of student loan debt. Mm -hmm. And I thought I should learn something about money. So I started a blog that led me to quit practicing law and become a financial planner. Oh, so wow. I, yeah. I was a certified financial planner at a wealth management firm. So I did law for about five years and then I was a CFP for about three. Mm -hmm. And then now um, full-time do my business thing, run my own business as a life coach. Wow. Did, were you more connected to the financial mindset behind creating your own future? And with the lawyer position, it was hard to do that because you're just like in the lawyer mindset of solving other people's problems versus creating your own dream. I love that the way you just phrased it. For me as a lawyer, I actually, 
I kind of liked the work I was doing. It was a lot of contract work. I was a business lawyer, but the grind for lack of a better word was really taxing. And I didn't really see a light at the end of the tunnel. The partners who were much more senior were also working around the clock on the weekends. And I thought, this isn't how I want to spend the next 30 years of my life. That led me to being a CFP. I actually really enjoyed that as a career. I just got to a point where it was kind of one or the other. And I decided to do my my own business, run my own business, which was a big anxiety filled (laughs) leap of faith. But with a lot of planning and hard work and going all in on, on myself that, that really made it worth it. And that's one of the things that we're going to speak about this episode is choosing yourself, that we could change our story. We should change our story. We shouldn't be afraid to change our story and we should create our dreams and we should think about our dreams, touch our dreams, feel our dreams, write our dreams, you know, all these things. And one of the reasons why I'm so grateful that you're here, even though you don't struggle with mental illness and thank God you don't, but you know what it's like to suffer with anxiety from when we make big decisions, when things come, when we're not expecting it, when like coronavirus, you spoke about it, this in a few of your episodes. Like I say this often that now the world, this is very good for mental health, this whole four months of coronavirus, because they're suddenly going into a panic attack. The world actually went into a panic attack. We've been suffering with panic attacks. We, in the mental illness world, we're suffering forever. We don't know what we're going to feel in the morning. We don't know how we're going to feel when we're good. It could, it's in a second, what's going to trigger us. And now finally, the world is understanding what we cope with all the time. This is what we deal with, the anxiety, the unknown the the fear this is our usual day so what is so important is that we should understand that everyone has the struggles even though we don't get that label that we get from a doctor which is very good for us to know what we're dealing with but the diagnosis can also say okay we're a little bit broken but the truth is everybody deals with certain things in life that holds us back from moving forward. And you are so good with giving the tools in such a clear way for anyone, whether you have mental illness, whether you struggle with depression, anxiety, bipolar, borderline personality disorder, whatever it is, it's the same tools. Absolutely. I always say that. I'm like, regardless of if you've been diagnosed or not, these tools can absolutely help you. And I haven't personally had a diagnosis, but I know what it's like to feel broken. My dad was an alcoholic and we sort of lost everything. And I totally changed my story with the tools that I teach. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about teaching them because they've worked so much for my life with men, with my family and with money and career that I want everyone else to have access to them. Right. And one of the things that you shared on your podcast recently is that you lost your dad, that you got close to, that you you had a very special relationship with him. And we're actually in July, we're discussing, this is probably going to be after July, we're going to post this, uh, publish this episode, but we're discussing grief and how no one is really prepared for grief. Like no one is prepared for a tremendous loss. And you could be riding the highs of life and then you lose someone and then you hit that rock bottom of like, wait, am I supposed to continue the rest of my life with this pain? Is it going to ever leave? Can I move forward? Will the fog ever lift? Will I be able to focus again? Will I have joy again? Natalie's nodding her head. Yes, 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 yes. But but the, the point is that no one has a life without pain. No one. Right. And I don't think that that's the goal. Even if you think about it intellectually, would you want a life without any pain or problems? And even if the first gut instinct is to say yes, would you even know love and joy and the positive emotions if there was not that contrast? Right. And my my listeners, I'm sure they're laughing because I say this all the time. There is no greater joy than joy after pain. 
Amen. (laughs) I say this over and over and over and over and over, but really that extreme joy, if you didn't go through extreme pain, you cannot feel the extreme joy. And then you start to be grateful for everything you went through that got you to that level of joy that you didn't even know that is there. A thousand percent. So true. Every time in my life that that's been the case, especially with my dad and how much our relationship changed and how much work I did with it mm. and getting really to a clean place about it was so powerful for my own life and understanding life and death and illness, all of it. It's been really powerful. And forgiveness in order to heal ourselves. Yeah. So Natalie, I want to touch upon a little bit of your work that you did on yourself, because there's no greater teacher than somebody that walked the walk, right? So you, you just said that your father was an alcoholic, right? And you lost everything. When you say you lost everything, did you lose your family member? Did you lose financially or everything or all of the above? Mostly financially. So, and I guess the family unit in terms of it being one unit, my parents got divorced which I don't always think is a bad thing, but the way that my parents got divorced was really tough. My mom did not work until my parents got divorced. My dad was a dentist. So like by societal standards, well-accomplished, pretty smart, very loving and charming and also an alcoholic. And so over time, just slowly that alcoholism really took over and he got DUIs, was in and out of jail Yeah. A lot of shame. Yeah. At the time there was some shame, some confusion, more shame later, and then not as much, if at all, shame now. Right. Through life coaching tools, really. Right. But that was really hard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Really hard. And do you feel that part of your life decisions originally was based on your trauma versus what you really wanted? A little bit of both. Like, I don't think I could have become who I am today without having the parents I had. But on the flip side of that, I've had, like, I had, I used to have a lot of like hyper responsibility. And so, you know, if you don't think your parents are doing a great job, you're the one who's going to do it. Right. And that can be really useful And even as a skill, as an adult, as a 34-year-old woman, that's really useful to take responsibility for my own actions, but also being able to let go of that and let go of that control and release and relax. So on the one hand, it was really helpful. And on the other hand, I've had to learn other tools where that hasn't been that helpful in my adult life. Right. And I want to go into life coaching because I strongly believe in coaching strongly believe I have my own coach. I had many coaches through my life. And I always say, we graduate and go to the next one up. It's not right. She's laughing. Hey, Natalie. Yeah. <laughs> you you yeah. yeah. Always have a coach. Right. And you learn for what you need for that stage. And then you go to the next one and it could be different. It could be relationship coach. It could be a financial coach. It could be just a spiritual coach. It could be any kind of coach, but you need to know what you're looking for when you come to a coach. And I want to, I want to give you the mic for a second for you to explain. A lot of people ask me like you had healers and my journey was full of healers, therapists, psychiatrists, different kinds of therapy, energy, like EFT and, and different kinds of therapist in the realm of different, uh, of talk therapy and EMDR. And I always talk about my coaches. I just do because I feel like there is something very different. People are like, why do you go to coaches? So I'm going to give the mic to you that you can explain why it is that a person that's going through mental illness can use both. And there are nothing similar between the therapist and the life coach and what you're going to get out of it. Absolutely. So I've also had experience, personal experience with therapists about five years ago when I went through a really heavy breakup. I had an amazing therapist. So I am pro therapy. I'm pro doctors. I'm pro all of it. And also very much pro a really good life coach. So for me, a really good life coach is going to show you your mind. She's going to show you the story that you are creating that you yourself can't see. 
And I I use the analogy of you're inside the bottle and you're trying to read the label and all of the ingredients. And it's possible. It's really slow and it's really hard to do. And for a good coach who's loving you and holding the space for you, she's going to be able to see that label and say, oh, this is the story. Is this serving you? What do you want to do with it? And and do it from a place of love without judgment. We, you know, call it holding the space so that you're served and you can see all the options available to you. You know that you're not broken and that you have someone who supports you, who isn't necessarily giving you a diagnosis, but also isn't someone who is bossing you around or kind of pointing the finger. Right. One of the gifts of coaching is that they know to ask you the right questions that you come up with the answers, not the coach. Absolutely. That's the difference, right? That's a big difference. While in therapy, they can give you a diagnosis and, and explain things to you, which coaching really gets you the, the person that's being coached to come up with all the answers. And we have all the answers inside us. And I'm going to say that again. We as humans have all the answers inside us. We just need someone to ask us the right question. It's so true. And to see those light bulb moments that I've had and that some of my clients have, it's really powerful. And I don't think that there's a place where you arrive where you don't need a coach or wouldn't want a coach. Like I want to have another coach. Like you said, you kind of graduate up to the next one and continue as you grow. Just like the best athletes have coaches, right? The humans, we need coaches too, to show us our own mind so that we can seek that inner wisdom and know what's best for ourselves. Right. And they say that the highly successful people, one of the things that all of them have is a mentor, a coach, somebody that they're learning from, and they're not embarrassed to ask the questions and they're not embarrassed to, to learn. And, and a life coach really helps us walk the, the speed we want to walk in. It's all about where we want to be. So they help us, you as a life coach, help us understand what's messy in our mind, what is not supposed to be there, what is not helping us achieve our goals. And it's all about goal setting. And I want to go into that with you about goal setting, because one of my biggest things with my coach, he always says to me, so what goal do you, it's up to you. Like it could be the smallest goal or the biggest goal. It could be making a million dollars and it could be going to sleep by 10 o'clock and turning off my phone. It could, it, there's no uh, measure to a, a size of a goal that we can set for ourselves. And one of the things that you teach is goal settings, Natalie. And I think especially with a mental illness world where we struggle sometimes is that we're frozen in fear. We're frozen in fatigue. We're frozen in anxiety. And everything looks so big and everything looks we cannot. And and our mind tells us we can't. How do we take goal setting as a tool to take all of our struggles and say, okay, we too can shift? Absolutely. I think goal setting is so much more powerful than it gets credit for because it gives your brain something to focus on so that when it's scattered and worried and all over the place, Like you said, whether it's I'm going to get dressed or a workout outfit on and just walk around the block, or I'm going to make six figures or whatever your goal is, big or small, it's giving your brain the mental clarity that this is something that matters to me and that I matter and that my life matters. And I think that especially with mental illness, we kind of forget about goal setting or we don't think that it's important or that it's useful. But I think that the opposite is true. I think that it can give your brain something to focus on in a really positive way that can bring even more meaning to your life. And then you have this increased confidence. You're like, yeah, I did that. Yeah. And it, no matter and how it, small it is. Right. And as I said before, celebrating the wins, even if it's a small win, that celebration in our mind gives us that confidence that we could do the next goal that we set and the next achievement. And it really gives us something to look forward to. Yeah. And I always say, meet yourself where you are. 
It's great if you want to run the marathon, but if you haven't run at all yet, we can have that goal way out in the future. But today, let's put on the gym shoes and let's just walk for 10 minutes. Hmm. And there's so much hesitation with that not being enough. But I say make it about you and about you just getting up and doing that next thing. Like yes. the zero to one is the hardest. Yes. It's that commitment to yourself to yeah. say, I, I'm worth it. I could do it. Yes. And that's the thing. It's like, you're doing it for you, not for anyone else. And when you truly get that, then the consistency and that self-accountability becomes more important than the greatness of the goal. It's like, okay, I actually walked for 20 minutes for the last two weeks. And I'm proud of that. I, I did that for me. I showed yeah. up for me. And if sure. I missed it, it's okay too. Like I'm here for it. I'm, I'm leaning into it, into my life. So I'm going to go back to a tool of goal setting. So let, I'm going to give you a scenario and we're going to walk through the scenario and we're going to help the audience apply these tools. So I'll take myself as an example. I want to lose 20 pounds. Okay. I want to lose 20 pounds. I'm in this mastermind, the build your life resume, mastermind. Everybody is an athlete there. They run a hundred miles. They do the, I forgot what they're called. Those, those three, three different, um, I forgot what it, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, but also like the Ironman and this, oh. the, all these, these amazing, amazing things. Okay. And I feel like I, there's, I don't even like, I can't even walk three flights of stairs without passing out. But I really, really, really want to lose my weight. And what happens is because I'm not showing up for myself to to walk, to do the basic things, I'm putting things in my mouth that I shouldn't be eating because I'm saying if I'm already not working out, I'm gonna if I'm gonna be overweight, let me just enjoy life through food. And I go there. And I am so scared to set that goal. And I'm telling you, I, I say to myself, I will, and I don't. And I don't take, as you said, that zero to one. I don't take that first step to say, I'm going to do it. I'll put the sneakers on and walk around the block. I'll do 10 jumping jacks. Like how hard is 10 jumping jacks? It's that first step. And what happens is I'm a year later and I didn't lose an ounce. It probably gained another five pounds. And it's all in my mind. It's all in my mind. This fear of failure. I'm not going to lose it. I'm going to work out hard. I'm going to look fat forever. All these stories I'm telling myself that's preventing me from taking the first step. So as somebody that teaches goals, what am I doing wrong? Well, I want to coach you so bad right now. <laughs> we, we could do something yeah. live, like a mini series that you ask me questions. I'm very open to that if you want. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Let's just take a step back right now and think about how you think about yourself. What thoughts do you have about your weight right now? Oh, that I hate looking at myself at, in the mirror. Like hate it. Mm-hmm. And I wish I was at least half the amount, like what I am now, like not, I mean, the amount I, I, I gained since I got married and I had children, mm-hmm. at least half should be gone. Like, okay, I'm not going to go back to what I was as a 20 year old, but a little bit like, and, and I'm like, oh, I can't, I'm literally every time I, and my, my six year old, every time, and it's awful, awful what I say, it's awful. My, I say, oh, I'm so fat. Like I mumble under my breath and my, my six year old is like, no, you're not. Don't say that. What a horrible message am I giving my children? Like awful message to myself and my children. Well, or they're just seeing the humanness that is mom. (laughs) Right. What do you want to think about you? You said that you should have lost the weight. And anytime I call it shooting on yourself, (laughs) it's a bad idea. Yeah. The shoulda, coulda, woulda. Right. If you should have lost the weight, you would have already. Mm -hmm. So you're supposed to be this weight now, right now. So can you see, you- I'm not thinking like that. I'm thinking I was lazy and I didn't show up for myself. I know. And you would probably never talk to one of your children like that, right? No. Yeah. Or anyone. Ever. <laughs> we talk to ourselves. We're so hard on ourselves. I always say, talk to yourself with the gentleness, like you're talking to your own child. Like, hey, what's going on here? Are we eating in the way that's healthiest for ourselves? It's like reparenting yourself and being kind. Mm -hmm. 
and noticing how does it feel when you call yourself fat? So you think it's like a fact that you are overweight and that there's weight that you should lose, like for sure. Oh, for sure. Fact. Fact. Yes. And what if that's just your desire? And what if it's not a fact at all? It's just the story. What does that mean? Like you can want to lose it from a place of loving the body that you have. Is that possible? Yeah. So So it has to come from a place of love, not of hate. Right. I'm going to give you a different example with money, but it's going to relate to weight. So I was in $206,000 of student loan debt from law school. And when I was first in that debt, I hated it. I thought it meant something about me, about who I was as a person, about my ability to find love, about like my self-worth. And over time, and as I learned these tools and applied them, I completely got rid of that story and decided to love my debt and pay it off. And it felt so much better. And I teach the same thing for weight loss. Mm -hmm. Let's love our bodies as they are and want to take care of our bodies and lose the weight. Because you think that over there, you'll love yourself more, but it's never true because your thinking is what creates whether you love yourself or not, not the debt or the weight. It's the story around it that we're telling ourselves. Yeah. And it makes it so much easier to actually get the result when you truly love yourself, because that's when you actually want to choose the better food because you truly think that's loving yourself. But if what if I feel like I love chocolate? I love fattening food that is fried. I love French fries. I'm not going to convince myself that I don't. I love it. And I don't want to not love them anymore. I don't want you to I don't want anybody to do it. I always say, don't make my mind not love the food that I love because I love them so much. I want to love them forever. Like I want to love that unhealthy food forever, but I want them to go into my mouth, not of an anxiety, not out of a need to fill a void, but because I just want to enjoy this delicious, crispy French fry. So the way that you do that is you plan that food ahead of time. When you plan it ahead of time, I say at least 24 hours in advance, you're doing that from your most parent brain. It's your prefrontal cortex. In the moment, you're going to give into any of your toddler brain, your primitive brain that wants that pleasure, that dopamine hit to avoid the feeling of anxiety in the moment, get the dopamine, get the chocolate. But if you say, Hey, I love my body as much, if not more than I love this food. So I'm going to make decisions ahead of time. I'm going to decide this weekend, Friday, I'm going to have the chocolate and French fries and I'm going to plan it. And that's how you make the best decision kind of for your highest self and for your future and for your body, instead of think of a toddler in the moment, who's just going to want what it wants. That's kind of your primitive brain that will always want that pleasure. Always. That's a survival mechanism. So what happens in a scenario? We're, we're, we're pretty good, even though I'm not so good with planning a week in advance, but I'm fine. I'm, I'll plan. Let's say I could do that, but then someone triggers me. I'm in a bad place. I go into this hurt, anger, resentment, whatever it is that I can. And the planning, I don't even remember that I have because I'm going into reaction. And my reaction is food, comfort, take this pain away. How do I go to that higher brain that you speak of to take over the emotional challenge that's going on right now? So you plan for that to happen. So you know yourself, you know that this is going to happen at some point. You know that you're in the habit of reacting and using food to feel better. Mm -hmm. And so you get to decide ahead of time, how can I, I call it turning obstacles into strategies. How can I turn this obstacle into a strategy? And sometimes you might give into that urge in the moment. And the thing is, you want to not beat yourself up and lean in and figure out what happened with curiosity. But what if you truly want to lose weight, what you don't want to do is continue to do that without making changes. You could say, okay, I want to have a plan for how I react and how I find pleasure 
if I'm feeling a lot of pain or anxiety or comfort even, right? right? Right. Um, What are some things that won't have that net negative that I won't gain weight from? Do you get any pleasure or comfort from other things like listening to music or going on a walk and making a list of things? And it might mean that you're rediscovering yourself and things that you like, because what I find, and even in my own journey with food is that the more I decrease my reliance on getting comfort and pleasure from what I eat, the more I want to find it elsewhere. I love that. It's so true that you learn that in psychology, that it's also with addictions. If you're going to be, you can overcome an addiction, but if you're not solving the problem, you're going to find an addiction somewhere else. Absolutely. It's the same thing. And what I look for is, is there a negative consequence? So you wouldn't want to trade the chocolate and the French fries for alcohol, maybe that would probably have a net negative, right? But you might want to do it with music or calling a friend or taking a walk, something that doesn't have that net negative. But it's important to know why is it part of coaching? Would you coach me to, to help me change that story in my mind? Why food is really comforting for me and why that's good for me and why it's okay to run to food? Yes, I would coach you on that. But Like you said in the beginning, when we were talking about what coaching is, I'm not here to ever tell you what to do. As a coach, I'm going to show you what that story in your mind is creating in your life. So if you say, hey, I love food and I don't want you to take that away from me, I'm going to say, I am never going to take that away from you. But here's what this is creating in your life that you might not see. And here are some alternatives if you do change your mind. And we can go into where does that come from? Did you grow up being rewarded for accomplishments or for other things with food? And so is that where you look for your rewards now? Interesting. Now, okay, so food is something big for me. It's very big for me. But let's take it a, a step further. What you're saying, you have to fall in love with the thing that we want to change. So let's say we're diagnosed with bipolar. So we look at the, at the, at the illness and we're like, okay, I was, I, I, I tried to remove the, I am, I, I say, I struggle with bipolar. I'm going through bipolar episode, whatever we want, but not to label ourselves as I am, because that's, that's limiting beliefs that, that holds us back. It doesn't move us forward. And also there's no two bipolars that are the same. There are things that are similar, but there are no two that are the same. So, so let's say I'm going through a really hard time and I'm, I see a manic episode coming upon me and I want to just have a different relationship versus not fear and not hatred and like negative feelings with it, like a victim feeling. What do we do with mental illness when it comes to these things? Is there a really a way to coach us through emotions with mental illness? Yeah, I think that we've sort of been socialized to think that mental illness is bad and there's so much shame around it. And it's unfortunate, but also, like you said, as an individual, you can change your thinking around it. So I agree with you. I don't like to say I am fill in the blank, right? Even as something like I am a procrastinator. If you say Mm -hmm. that, that's what you're going to re-identify as. Instead, you could say I was diagnosed with, right? Or I'm working on or something like that. What is your thought about the diagnosis? So if you've been diagnosed with bipolar and that's what you're working on right now, what are you thinking about that? Are you thinking I'm broken? Something's wrong with me. This shouldn't be happening. All of those thoughts are going to create so much anger and resistance and tension instead of acceptance from a very active place oh, this is okay. I can love myself. I can love bipolar, right? Like, isn't that fascinating? We immediately go to, this is bad, therefore I am bad. And that's where we create all that shame. Like what Byron Katie talks Mm -hmm. about loving what is. A lot of people in the mental health world have a hard time with that concept. Why is that? I think it's because we've been socialized to think that it's bad. And on the one hand, we want to 
have doctors who come up with solutions who can help us with disease. Mm -hmm. So we don't want to say, okay, well, everything's fine. Let's stop all the research and let's not find solutions. So it's kind of like how they teach psychology. It's very problem and, and disease focused. And so what comes from that is that there are solutions for that, which is good. But on the other hand, I think the negative side of that is that we label it as there's something wrong with us as humans, with our self-worth. And mm. one of the most freeing thoughts that I ever found for myself was like, there's no such thing as being damaged. There's no such thing as that. And I, I felt instantly freed and lighter. And I think that that could be true for everyone, regardless of if you have a diagnosis, you can want to get better, but also without thinking that there's something wrong with you. Like you are a human being who is whole. What happens when society says you're broken, you're not worthy, you're scary, you're not, you're, you're not, I don't feel safe with you. How do, how do we change our story when the society around us is feeding us constantly the story that we're broken, we're not safe, we're damaged, we're second class, you know? Yeah. I think there's two parts to it. There's the part where you want to be an active participant in helping change that, right? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But then yes. there's the part where you're at home wanting to live your life and change that for yourself. And I think they're different. So for the individual, what I teach is limit your input limit. Like if you're watching the news for 12 hours a day, it is so hard to create thoughts no matter what mental state you're in, it is going to go downhill quick. So So set yourself up in your environment for success. And by no means do I mean, you know, turn everything off and don't be informed, but balance it for every news that you watch, you know, listen to a, a, your podcast, right? Something that's going to lift you and remind you of the good as well. Um, Like you mentioned, Byron Katie, I was just talking about this. She talks about being in your business, in someone else's business, and then God's God's business, (laughs) right? It's so so appropriate for Corona, right? So appropriate, right? So when we're in Corona business, that's what she calls God's business. And that's where we amplify and increase the anxiety that can turn to panic because it's something we can't control. So we want to bring it back to our thoughts and our feelings and our actions. And when you do that, you will decrease that panic. You will increase the calm because you say, okay, well, whatever's going on out there, I got me. And my decisions. Yes. And what I could do with the now versus what I can't. Let's not focus. I always say, don't focus on what you cannot. Focus on what you can. And for some reason, our brain automatically goes to all the can'ts and makes them so, so big. The same thing is with gratitude. Like how many things go right for us every single minute of our lives, right? Every single minute. Then one little thing like getting a ticket or someone took our parking spot. Our whole day is off. There is no more gratitude for anything. We're at the wrong side of the energy of of the negativity. And I think that's in part because our brains are wired to look out for danger. Mm -hmm. And it's just a survival mechanism. So it's normal, but if you are listening to your podcast or mine, you can see that you have some control over that. Right. You don't have to be looking for danger all of the time. We can decide to appreciate and have that gratitude, even if we get a ticket earlier in the day. We're just grateful we woke up today. Right. We're here. And that we have a car to get a ticket. Right. (laughs) I grew up without a car. My parents still today in Israel don't have a car. So for me, having a car, like, is huge. I have a car. I don't have to walk with my groceries onto a bus and get off the bus and walk 10 minutes to get home. Yeah. Or being able to drive, that right. you're physically able to drive. Right, right, right. Living with mental illness can be full of pain, frustration, and anguish. At times, it can feel like you are completely alone. 
Well-meaning loved ones may not understand what you are going through and might not be able to offer the support you need. Finding the right source of support is crucial to your journey of healing. While we always encourage you to seek appropriate medical and psychological help, adding someone to your team who has been where you are can provide a much-needed shoulder to lean on. Matana knows what it is like to feel debilitating anxiety, and through her own journey of more than a decade living with mental illness, she has spoken with hundreds of others navigating their own anxiety and depression. Matana is not a therapist or a doctor, but has been able to partner with many individuals like yourself, creating a strategy toward mental, physical, and emotional well-being. One-on-ones with Matana are self-paced conversations allowing you to move forward at a comfortable pace. She'll work with you as you discover your own path and the steps that are right for you. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Matana, head over to hopetorecharge.com forward slash free. That's hopetorecharge.com forward slash F-R-E-E. Or you can click the link in today's show notes. And now let's get right back to Matana and today's conversation. So I'm going to go back to this idea, the concept of how you would coach somebody. Because a lot of times I get the call of, I can't do it. Uh, No one's going to love me because I'm broken. I'm afraid to expose myself because what is the world going to think of me? We're frozen in this space. And you're saying, look at it accept it, love it, and change the story in your mind. Yes. And it sounds simple because it is, but that can take months to a year to multiple years. And there's no rush, but just knowing that it does actually work, loving yourself is available to you, even if you've never done it before. One of my coaches told me once, This isn't the last try. There's no such thing as the last try. Mm -hmm. If it's not this time, it's the next time. If at first you don't succeed, try, try, try again. That's what I always tell my children. Yes. And all I'm visualizing now is two different people with the same illness. Mm -hmm. We could take even cancer, stage four, it's cancer and stage four cancer. One is planning their burial. And rightfully so, because people are telling them facts. You know, there's less than 5% chance to live. And this is da 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 And the other one is saying, while I'm living, I'm going to do the best I can. I'm going to focus on the now. I just interviewed Maria. She lost her husband for a brain tumor. And she said that the doctor told her that, the, that he probably will not be able to survive the brain cancer, but live every moment every day, like it's your last day of your life. This way you're going to create many more memorable, happy moments of this horrible time versus ending it right now at my office, even though you can live for another year. So that mindset and the mindset really works to increase life and increase us, our energy to coming to solutions, right? When we change the story in our mind, when we start falling in love with this challenge that we see as a challenge, we suddenly invite more solutions. Absolutely. And I, something that just came up for me that I want to bring up is depending on where you're at in your journey, it might be the right time for you to move forward or not. So if you just found out about your stage four cancer and you didn't know before, or if you, like when my dad passed away, when I just found out that was not the time to move forward. Right. (laughs) There's a time of sadness, anger, frustration. Why me? That's all part of the steps. Absolutely. And then you'll know when you're ready you won't be asking, when am I going to be ready? You will genuinely feel ready you can live so much more, even with something like a stage four diagnosis. And then setting goals. How am I going to live today better? How am I going to take the next hour? And if God forbid, I'm going through treatment, how do I go through treatment without feeling depleted? All these things are goals that we can get through the challenges that are right in front of us then versus saying it's over. I'm done going to that negative place. 
Absolutely. I think of my grandpa passed away when he was 93. He had cancer. And I think of one of the last things that he said within the last couple months of his life was he just wanted to be an example for his family. And so it's not even, sometimes it's goals just for you because it gives your brain something to focus on, but also regardless of your diagnosis, there's something so powerful about wanting to help others. So it might be that you find yourself wanting to give in a small way. You're like, today I'm going to give to someone and that's going to be my goal. And it can feel really good and empowering, especially if you're struggling with anxiety or depression or bipolar or cancer. It feels like I still matter. I'm still living. I'm still doing something for humanity in this small way. Right. And it doesn't mean that we're going to do it the same like somebody else. And one of the biggest obstacles in our day and age is that we compare us to anyone else versus just to say, this is who I am. This is what I have. These are the tools. And I'm going to do the best I can with what I have versus comparing ourselves to what it seems like everybody else is doing. Right. And it's so interesting because as a coach, when I see students do that, like, oh, but you're so amazing. Like, mm -hmm. Who are you? And you being uniquely you is what is so attractive. It has like nothing to do with anyone else. And that is where your power is to live your life, however you want to live it. And you don't have to do any of it. Right. right? And like loving yourself, that's the work. That's, I think. Yes. I think that's the work. <laughs> it, it really, really is. It's funny that you say that because in June, we did a whole month on self-love. Mm -hmm. And in my mastermind, I started off the whole mastermind. It was month to month. Every month we discussed a different topic. And I started off the first month with self-love. I said, we can heal. We can go to gurus. We can do everything. But if we don't have the self-love, you're building on a very shaky ground that small little thing will come in life and then everything's going to come collapsing. The foundation to any healing, to any big goal for anything you want in life. It needs to come from self-love. And that's what you were talking about. Like with my weight loss, I need to love it, which I can't even imagine how I'm going to ever do that. And, and like, I'm thinking of people that are listening to this, like, like how can I love my depression? How can I love my panic attacks? Like, how am I going to ever love that? So interesting, right? And like my brain is coming up with all of the answers to those. So just notice that your brain will always come up with the answers to the questions that you ask it. So you can start to ask questions like, instead of how could I ever love my body or love my depression? What do I like about my depression? What do I like about it? What do I like about it? What if nothing? Yeah. What if saying nothing? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> okay. Well, is there something that someone else could like about depression hypothetically? Like the idea is to get your brain to bend your current beliefs. Wow. I wonder if anybody can come up with an answer to that. Let's ask our audience if they can really like, what can we like about depression? What can we like about mental illness? I don't even have the answer to that. So if you get to decide how to think about anything, is there an upside to hating or disapproving of? your mental illness. Entitlement to be a victim. And the victim mode that I don't, like I have that thing, like a pass mm -hmm. as somebody that I call myself lazy, but my husband and my mom hate when I call myself lazy, but I look for an easy way out. And if I say, oh, I'm depressed today, I get to stay in bed. Even though my mind at the depression will say, I'll, I'll run a marathon, just take the depression away. Like really take the depression away. But if you, you, but if you say that, what's my upside? I would say maybe that is maybe. And you get to learn about yourself and there's so much more depth and self-discovery maybe. So you're saying that no matter what it is, we can always change it to look at it and see the positive side of it. Yeah, but not from a place of, oh, this is great. And it's a very- Not a false thing. illusion. Right, right, right. Right. It's kind of like your example with weight loss. So is there an upside to you? We think we're going to hate ourselves into losing weight, but that's when you yo-yo. That's when you lose the weight and then you gain it back because you're not loving yourself. Mm -hmm. 
So what do you like about your body right now? What about the fact that you have a body and that your body doesn't have thoughts about it? You're the only one who has thoughts about your body. So going back to depression, I could say, I can't say that even the word like or anything like that, but the benefit would be that when I'm not depressed, I'm on a higher vibration because life is so much better when I'm not depressed. So I am enjoying, when I'm not in that horrible darkness of depression, the light is so much stronger. The joy is so much stronger. Is is that what we're supposed to do? Yeah, it's just a way for you to increase your awareness around accepting what is instead of rejecting it. So it's saying, I have depression and it's okay. Or I was diagnosed with depression and it's okay. Mm-hmm. Versus I was diagnosed with depression and I hate myself and everything's gone wrong and my life is over. And no one's going to love me. Yeah. And, and I can't show up for my children if, I, if I'm a mom mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm embarrassed and there's stigma and I have to hide. And, I, and will I be able to succeed in life? Mm-hmm. All these stories. Like you have a podcast because of this. Right. Think of how many people you're helping. So you're saying in a way, finding meaning to it and using what you can to move forward versus to flood ourselves with a negativity about it. Right. And in part, if your mind naturally reacts to that negativity, to create some space for yourself and let it all in without being hard on yourself. Because when I teach this, then sometimes clients will say, oh my gosh, I was thinking negative. And then they'll beat themselves up about that. And that's not the goal. It's to be curious about yourself and be open to changing your story. And mindful about what's coming and going through our head. Is it serving us? What am I benefiting on? Sometimes we want to be in a bad mood and it's okay. And sometimes we want to just say, you know what? It really sucks to have depression. Yes. It sucks to have depression and that's okay. And that's okay. And when we're noticing it, I guess that's what the coach helps us notice the patterns of our thought. If you want to stay in the victim of, of depression, that's okay. Yes. If that's your goal to stay there, that's okay. You get to decide what you, what your goal should be. And Natalie gets to help you walk through and help you ask the right questions and answer the right answers to you that fits your life, your scenario to get to your goal, whatever it would be. Absolutely. It's showing you, Hey, this is the circumstance. This is the diagnosis. And this other thing is your story about it. Do you, this is, you know, it's like, here's the script that you've written. I'm just, your coach is going to show you the script and show you the results that it's creating for you. You get to decide, yeah, I want to keep that script or let's make some tweaks. So it's a little bit less, I say less suffering. I don't say less painful. I say less suffering Mm because there's that added suffering on top of the pain. Right. And at a certain time you change your goals. You could change your goals and say, you know what, this, this doesn't fit my life. I thought I could. My goal is a little bit different. We pivot our goals. Absolutely. And I think that being open to that is really important, especially if you have a goal. Let's say you have a goal to start your own business and three years in, you receive a diagnosis. You're going to want to change that goal. Maybe let's just say in this example, you do and being open to that and it's okay to feel the loss of that goal of that completion and pivot and say, okay, now this is the new circumstance, my new life, my new diagnosis. What now? I want to give an example for that. And I've been designing this shopping bag for a while because I suffer from anxiety shopping. Since I'm young, I have a a tremendous amount of visual anxiety when I go into a place and I see a lot of stuff. So for me to go to Costco is a punishment. For me to go to a mall is a punishment. I love new things because when I grew up, I didn't have a lot. My parents didn't have money to buy me anything. So I always got hand-me-downs. So for me to buy is exciting to get the new, but I hate the shopping. So for me to go and shop was always hard. I needed to figure out a way to go in and out as fast as I can and also bringing the stuff in from the car. Everything about the shopping was a nightmare. And I found that I was like 
dizzy. I had a migraine. Everything was so hard. And I designed this bag that just made my shopping experience easier, that I put everything into the bag. It's a certain standing bag. It's a folding eco-friendly bag. I put it into my car. It stands nicely. It's not like a tote bag that falls all around. It's nice. They want on top of the other. I was so excited about it. Right before coronavirus, I went to Israel. I'm Israeli. I went to Israel and I had this whole, uh, I brought together tons of professionals to help me perfect it. And we were in a three-day like incubator to get it come back. Literally a week later, I find out that China shuts down and I was going to develop it in China and I have like prototype and everything. My prototype came back already from China. And then, and I had my goal to have it go out. I think it was in March because March 1st, New York was supposed to get rid of bags. Right. So anyway, I had the whole thing. And then like China shuts down, coronavirus comes. So I had a choice to even go, either go into like, I can't believe it. It didn't work. You know what I did? And I'm not fluffing my feathers. I'm doing, I'm telling you this because this is what happens after you coach with somebody for so long. You say, okay, now I have time to, to think a little bit more. Now it's obviously not the right time. It's not going to get done. I can decide if there's a place in America, then America shut down. So there was no, I said, it's clearly not meant to be now. Thank you, God, for showing me so clearly that's not meant to be now. I have time to go to the drawing board and think, and it wasn't under pressure. And it was really the story I was telling myself. The reality is the same reality. I could not make it. There was, it's not getting, it's not coming out now for the next few months, but I got to choose the story of, am I going to be the victim of coronavirus? No way am I willing to drop that. No way. I'll do it for, for something else, not for that. And then I decided to say, okay, now I have more time. How am I going to think about it? How much time am I going to give it every day now? And I have time now because I'm at home. I'm not traveling. I used to travel a lot. I'm, I'm not traveling. I have so much more time to devote to this versus the three hours a week that I set aside for it. Yeah, that's the difference um, in having a coach and having a trained mindset. I call it resilience. You were really able to like, be resilient and pivot so quickly. And as a business owner, that serves you very, very well. And me as well, same thing for coronavirus and COVID. And um, okay, now this is the market. Let's, let's pivot and let's do something else. And you can apply this to any area in your life. Um, I think it's a skill that you can get really good at. At first, it might be a little more challenging, but just opening up the story. And and I like to say, what if I'm completely wrong about that? You know, what if I wasn't supposed to release the bag right now? Like, what would, what's the opposite? What if it was the completely wrong time? And just kind of play around with the story so that you can start to see what it's like to bend your mind and create different stories that actually serve you so much better. Because the world is always right. changing. And it's not faking our mind. It's not false positive. No, 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 no. Because that won't work. Your brain right. will be on to you. Right. Like, oh, everything's perfect. It's totally fine. The bag's gonna, right. you know. So it's not that. It's understanding that, oh, I didn't meet my goal. My dream didn't come true yet, yeah. but that's okay. But maybe my dream will come true like in a much better way in the future. And I'm choosing to look at it that way. I'm choosing. Absolutely. And Let's just say that stores never open up again and that dream, that does not happen. And we don't need bags anymore because everybody's <laughs> buying everything on Amazon. So I, God saved me from spending all that money on manufacturing and having 700,000 bags in some place in the middle of the ocean waiting to dock. <laughs> right. And I think that there's an important message here. It's not necessarily in the achieving of the goal that there is the growth. It's in the journey. It's in who you become along the way. Yes. And the more you work with coaches, the more you're going to, you're going to start thinking the way a coach thinks. You're going to start asking yourself questions and say, oh, this is what they're going to ask me. So I'm going to ask myself because I'm not in a session now. So I'm just going to ask it myself. And it's just this mindset that you start developing. You start looking at things differently and it's very different than therapy. And I think that was one of my biggest things that I wanted to get out of this episode is that coaching and therapy go side by side. Absolutely. I have a lot of clients who see therapists and psychiatrists, and I used to see a therapist and they're not the same and they go together. Like you said, they're really complimentary. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. I love this conversation. I just want to tell my audience, your podcast is design your dream life. 
Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. With Natalie Bacon. You can yep. find it on all the platforms. I want to, I want to recommend, I really wanted to get into this in this episode, but we didn't have a chance, but it, you know what? Better this way. You get the original full episode from Natalie. Natalie, she had an episode on anxiety. I think it's called anxiety. Yeah. Is, is that what it's called? Anxiety? Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. You should listen. If you suffer from any anxiety, whether you have mental illness or your child does, or your husband or your boss, listen to it because first of all, it's going to make you understand yourself or somebody else better. And if you're the one suffering and struggling with anxiety, Natalie gives such good tips there, really good step-by-step tips that anybody could do. It's simple, simple. It's only a half an hour. It's so simple, so refreshing. So whenever you feel like you're going to anxiety, pick whether it's at work, at home, it's coronavirus, just listen to it because it's really a fantastic, fantastic episode. And it will be a nice introduction for you to her podcast. So it's design your dream life. And it's really all about designing your dream life because you are the designer of your life. You just are. So design your dream life versus a horrible life that you are just saying, okay, I'm accepting, right? (laughs) It's so true. You have so much more power than you think. And that goes with your mindset, your choices, your mindset choices, especially when we've had a hard life or a diagnosis, it can feel so disempowering sometimes. And just to know that you still have power over some of your thinking and that that matters. So my goal is to just to help people with that, just like yours. Thank you so much. It's seriously an honor to be here. Thank you. So Natalie, tell me about your website where everybody can reach you and what are they going to find there? Yes, it's NatalieBacon.com, B-A-C-O-N. I teach personal development, a lot about relationships, money, problems, all the things that come up when you are setting goals and designing your dream life. Most people like to listen, like you said, to the podcast. So I have a virtual life coaching program if you want to work with me, but the podcast is a lot of of free content that you can sort of binge on and get going with. Mm. When you say, uh, what did you say? A visual life coaching? What does that mean? Virtual life Virtual. Coaching. Okay. What is that? What is that? Yeah, is that so an online all, course? Mm-hmm. And it's group coaching. So Every month, there's a new topic that we cover. There is 24-7 written coaching. And then there are weekly group coaching calls that you can attend. And if you don't attend, you can watch the replays. Oh, okay. So you're live with this group. Yeah. yeah. And is it mostly females? It is. Like 90, 95% female. Men can join. There are a few men in there who just like like the content and want to get coached by me. So men are welcome as well. And the topic is something that you tell them in advance what you're going to discuss? Yeah. So every single month I teach a new course and you get a new kind of workbook with that. And I tell them every month what the next month is, but all of the coaching calls, you can join and get coaching on anything. Mm -hmm. So if one month is about mindset and one month is about feelings and one month is about productivity or money, I try to cover all 12 areas in a year, you can still join the calls and get coaching on whatever you're struggling with. So it doesn't have to be that your coaching is limited to the monthly topic. It's just a nice way to, you know, strengthen your, your mindset, (laughs) having that new course and program every single month. So you, you do not coach them one-on-one. It's a group coaching call. So I don't do one-on-one sessions. Like Mm -hmm. if someone reaches out and say, Hey, can I hire you? I say, come join, grow you. You can join a coaching call. There will be other members on and I bring you on kind of like we are now. I know the audience. Like a hot seat. Exactly. And then you kind of say, Hey, what's going on? You want to lose weight or Mm. money or what anxiety and Mm -hmm. I'll coach you. And what I've found so fascinating is there's so much value in watching other people get coached that you would not expect. Yes. I found it true for myself. And then my, my clients constantly, consistently email, especially the newer ones. Like I I didn't know that I could learn so much from seeing someone else get coached. Yeah. That's why I asked you to do it one-on-one on me now. Like let's do an example because I really know the value of it. 
Like, oh, yeah. I remember with my uh, energy healer, everybody wanted to hear a live session with him. They wanted to know what it's like to go to, through a live healing session with a healer. And I was the hot seat. So good, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people probably have never hired a coach, maybe. Right. Uh, it is different than going to a therapist. Just, I've had it like talk therapy. So you're you're just talking the whole time. And I do think with a good coach, you are mostly talking, but they're asking you questions that yes. get you to see the story and your inner wisdom. And it's in a very different way. Yeah. Like you said, they're parallel. They really are parallel. Yeah. And they work very well together. Oh, very, wow. very well together. Natalie, thank you for joining me here. Thank you for choosing Hope to Recharge, to share your voice, your work, your positive energy, because the world needs so much positive energy more than ever. We need to change our story in our mind. We need to be our best friend. There's so much hate going on now. We need to improve on ourselves first so we can love others after. Yes, it all starts with loving yourself. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you guys for listening. Go check her out. And if you want to start with somewhere, start with her anxiety. If you don't suffer with anxiety, go to her first episode because she explains everything. She also explains how she got into it and what her journey with coaching and and you might want to become a coach. So definitely go listen. Have a wonderful rest of the week. Bye till next time. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Are you looking for online therapy? Are you stuck at home like everyone else? High stress, high anxiety, worried about the future, trying to navigate everything, have a lot of worries, have a lot of emotional roller coaster rides up and down, just like me. BetterHelp.com is one phone call away, one Zoom call away, one text away. It's an online platform for therapy. It's so perfect for now, for coronavirus, for what people are going through now. We can reach out and get the perfect therapist that meets our needs. Don't wait. Check them out. See if you can find somebody don't struggle. They're so affordable. They are so affordable. You're sitting at home. Every therapist is working online now. Reach out and get help you need. If you are struggling, don't struggle in silence. I am so grateful that they are giving us 10% off the first month so you can get affordable access to therapy. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge, start your wellness, get help, get support you need. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you're listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.